Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of So I Married Horror Fan. This is episode 104. I am one of your co-hosts, Simon. And I'm Lee. And you may have noticed, if you follow us on the socials and the medias, that this episode is a little... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Late. Late. Um, would you care to tell our audience why <coughs> this episode is late? For those of you that didn't read the post on our so, social medias. So, somehow... The dumbass that is me got laryngitis and hasn't been able to speak for the last, what, five days? Yeah, it's been about that. About five days to not be able to talk. So we are recording this episode on a Thursday, but it should have gone out on the Monday. We normally record our episodes on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, We're recording this on Wednesday. Wednesday for Thursday. Helpful piece of advice, kids. If you are a podcaster and you know your schedule ahead of time, bank some episodes. <laughs> yeah. Which is, to be fair, we do have a habit of doing that. We'll go through phases of like making like do like seven episodes. Yeah, we we had planned, I think, last week to like bank all of December's episodes. So we could take December off, pretty much. Yeah. And then we just never got round to it. And then I got fucking laryngitis. Because a life finds a way. Yeah. So but, I've been pretty sick with like no no talk, no voice, sore throat, and a bit of a fever running. It's been fun for everyone in this house. Mm-hmm. But as you can hear, my voice is back, bitch. She is back to normal. So to, we are continuing our horror comic book month. Our horror comic book month rolls on. As I'm sure you guys are aware, the last episode we released was on From Hell by Alan Moore. Um, before we before we get into this week's episode, there was a motherfucking Scream trailer that dropped today. There was. Trailer for Scream 6 officially dropped today, uh, or guess yesterday if you're listening to this on the day it was released. Very short teaser, about a minute, a minute and two seconds long-ish, roughly. Yeah, it wasn't very long. Um, new poster dropped, new image of Ghostface dropped, and a new interview in Entertainment Weekly with... Tyler Gillette and Matt Bettinelli, Bettinelli Open dropped as well. Also known as Radio Silence. Um, interesting thing about the image. I don't know if you saw the image. The image has a weathered ghost face. Yeah, mask I was going to say. It. I've seen the picture of the weathered. I was like, it looks quite cool as well. Like it's all buffed up and a little bit like. Well, I was thinking about this, and like this is probably spoilers. If you guys don't know anything about Scream 6, haven't read any of the leaks, don't know anything, don't want to know anything, probably just skip the next like minute or so of this podcast. Um, a lot of people say that Stu. I've heard that theory online, that Stu's coming back. Um, I've heard a couple of theories online that they are resurrecting the original plot of Scream 3 and it's going to be a network of ghost faces led by Stu. That's why the mask is old, because it's his original ghost face mask from the original film. Ooh. Um, which I've heard. Um, also, there's a shot in the trailer. So the trailer features multiple ghost faces on a train with Chad, uh, Tara, and Sam. And the other guy... And, um... Hang on, I'm getting to that before you say it. I'm getting to that in a second, because that's not part of this. But I know what you mean. The guy stood next to Chad is Pug from She-Hulk. It's the yeah. fucking lawyer that she works with. Okay. You know the guy who's yeah. all like hitting on everybody? Yeah. He's a new character in this. Okay. Um, but then obviously you see Ghostface approaching and then Ghostface approaches Mindy, puts his hand over Mindy's mouth. Now, apparently the trailer is very purposely misleading and the prevailing theory is that the reason why nobody helps her is because they are on two different trains. The two scenes are not the same scene. Um... So she is not actually in the scene 
with Min, uh, with Chad, Sam, and Tara. That would make sense. Um, she's actually on another train by herself. So I thought the trailer was very good. Um, obviously, we've yet to see the cruise ship that Ghostface takes with the graduating teens to get to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, I think I know that plot line. Yeah. <coughs> so I covered that plot. <laughs> Scream six. Ghostface takes Manhattan. <coughs> Um, I've heard a couple of theories because this is the bit where I said if you guys don't want to hear spoilers there is a scene in the film that they showed a photo from where they're like they go to like a serial killer museum and into it all of the previous ghost face costumes are there but all of the masks are missing which has led to the theory that like Stu is leading a network of ghost faces but they're using all of the original ghost face killer costumes so the other how many have there been? Nine ghost faces? Two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, nine. So apparently there's potentially up to nine ghost faces in this. I mean, I feel like stealing them from a museum is a bit of hard work. I mean, I don't think there's actually going to be nine ghost faces, we but there's like... We've just gone to a shop and bought yeah, them, man. But it depends on like what the plot is, because there's like obviously the plot about, like you know, that if, if it's relevant to the plot... I personally don't think Stu is back. I think we hear this every time they make a new screen movie that Stu's going to be back. Um, I like, I liked the trailer. I thought the trailer was very good. I like the poster which shows Ghostface's face on a subway train. I thought that was very interesting. The new tagline, which is a play on the tagline for Scream Four, where it says "New York, New York, New Rules," whereas the Scream Four one was "New Decade, New Rules." Um, I also like the tagline that they use in the trailer, where it says "In a city of millions." No, no one, one can, can hear, hear you scream, scream which yeah. I think is really fucking clever. I think, personally, the most interesting scream movies are the ones that are not set in Woodsboro. So, two, three, and then hopefully this, because obviously two is set in the college, three is set in Hollywood. Um, I think they have the most interesting set pieces, and, like, a lot of people are theorising about how they're going to do this one differently. Like, there was a, a photo that leaked online recently of Ghostface with a shotgun, and people are, like, freaking out because Ghostface is, like, using a shotgun now and stuff. Um, I'm quite excited for it. I think it's going to be interesting. I think the trailer was just enough to kind of yeah. show you what was going on, but not show you too well, much. Well, we've already decided we're going to see it because we are going to see Iceland Kills on the day it's released. Yeah. In London. Mm-hmm. And the plan is we're going to go to the cinema before we see Iceland Kills, go watch Scream. I think you've already tweeted to invite Spencer yeah. to come and see it with us. He did offer to buy the popcorn. Yeah, in London. I mean, I think I think that's a fair. That's fair a shout. fair. That's a fair shout because fucking London popcorn is not cheap. Uh, Spencer would have to move quite a fair bit of Cleaver clothing merchandise to afford, <laughs> to some, afford some London, London popcorn. Po- yeah, so that's that reminds me actually because we said obviously we know you know we're we're, we're your guys we're your peeps we are going to be covering Scream Six when it comes out that was never in doubt. But I think because we are going to be in London when it on the day it comes out, our review probably isn't going to be released on release day, but it will probably be out release weekend. So we'll probably get it out on like the Saturday or the Sunday. Unless we go to apparently there's a Brewdog in London that does have podcast podcast recording booths in it. Really? Allegedly. I mean, I don't. I don't. <sighs> Could you imagine that? We'll go get some Brewdog vibes. Go record a podcast. Go see Iceland Kills. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be a busy day because I think I'm probably like... And there might not be one in London, but I know there are brew dogs yeah. that do have recording booths in them. I don't want to say too much because this is outside of like the realm of film world, but I have got some stuff cooking with some interviews maybe on that day as well. So I think oh, it's going to be like a very busy day. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. I've got, I've got 
I've, it's not been confirmed yet, but I've, oh. I've, I've laid some pipe to maybe get some interviews that day. Oh. So it's going to be a very busy day. Um, do you think if I just ask Spencer Chandler's outright if he's Ghostface, he would tell me? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, no, obviously not. Um, I'm the... Silence. Silence, there we go. But yeah, anyway. So Scream 6 looks wild, looks really good. I think next year is going to be really good for franchise horror because we've got New Evil Dead coming out and we've also got Saw X. Saw X, go and give it to you, coming out as well. Lee might actually get around to watching the horror movies next year, maybe. (laughs) It's unlikely. She says this every year. It probably won't happen. She'll come to the end of the year and be like, shit, I better binge watch a bunch of stuff I've missed that I keep meaning to see. All I'm saying is (laughs) Saw X and Fast and Furious 10 are coming out next year. When are we going to get Saw, Saw, Fast and Furious crossover? Like, Jigsaw kidnaps the family. Two Jig, two Saw. (laughs) Yeah, he kidnaps the family. And the only person... And like... The only way that Vin Diesel can save the family is drag racing Billy. I <laughs> <laughs> like Billy's got a NOS activated tricycle. <laughs> Don't give them ideas, babe, because the uh, the Fast and Furious franchise has gone that far off the rails. They probably would fucking do it. Well, do you remember when Vin Diesel was like, hey man, I'm going to do a Jurassic World Fast and Furious crossover? Oh my god, yeah. When, wasn't there a. Oh, it was, there was Jump Street Men in Black. They were going to try and do it at one yeah. point, wasn't it? And then, but then Still they would pay good money. To but then that. they fucking lied to us about saying that Fast and Furious was never going to go into space. Spoilers: it does true. in the ninth one. Um, anyway, anyway, what did you guys think of the screen trailer? Did you enjoy it? Like, let us know. What did you guys think of the last Fast and Furious movie? Would you? Would you Just like come talk to me on Tumblr about it? Because I really enjoyed it. I think it was stupid, but I really enjoyed it. Would you like to see John Kramer teach Vin Diesel the real meaning of family? <laughs> I should have, while my voice was coming back and it was still really croaky, we should have just had me just saying family repeatedly. I should have got you to do, like, Voldemort impressions. I should have got you to read, like, all the Voldemort... Or the Voldemort dialogue from, like, Harry Potter books. Harry Potter. Come, the boy who lived. Harry Potter is dead! Um, Anyway, we are here today (laughs) to talk about (laughs) the 1998 Marvel... Mate, this is taking up ten minutes of podcast. (laughs) The 1998 Marvel comic book adaptation, Blade. You don't even have your phone out. How are you going to tell these people what this movie is about without your phone out? Normally you complain about my phone out. Get your phone out. Get your phone out. Get your phone out for the lads. Okay, so Bloody released in 1998. No one's going to get that reference. (laughs) I know, but you got it and that's all that matters. Uh, Cast-wise, so this film was written by David S. Goyer. Ugh. Directed by Stephen Norrington. Yes. Who isn't he the fucking guy from Paris Caribbean? No, that's uh, <laughs> that's Admiral Norrington. I can't think of James Norrington. Maybe I think it might be James Norrington. His great 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 grandson. Wasn't, wasn't the fucking Norrington. geezer who played him in that fucking TV show we watched, where he was like the talent agent? TV you remember the show we watched on Amazon? It was like ten percent or something. Where he was yes, like, the t- he is. he's he's the guy. He's the guy he? who runs the talent agency. Um, yeah, the talent and has agency. And has to stop his daughter shagging his son. Oh yeah, I forgot about that plotline because it's what's his face who I really like. He plays the son. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, no, not Marcus Whitmore. Marcus Whitmore's the character he plays in Discovery, which is what is his name? I don't fucking know. Uh, his name escapes me. If anyone ever listens to our podcast, they'll know by now. I'm very bad at remembering. His name is name. David Samuelson. No, it's not. But he's called Marcus Whitmore in the show. I like, but I can't think for the life of me what his acting actual name is. His acting name. His acting name. Okay, cast-wise, this movie. So you have 
Wesley Snipes is a bloody. Do you want? Do you want to go to war, bloody? Because <laughs> we could go to war. I still, every time you say it, I don't even acknowledge the fact that it's actually the wrong name. I love, I love the fact that they got. So, if anyone's seen the Key and Peel sketch, the substitute teacher, the reason why Lee keeps saying Balade is because there's a bit in it where they, he can't pronounce the name Blake, so he calls the kid Balake. Um, but then he <laughs> did that Paramount Plus advert recently where yeah. he was like, he couldn't pronounce fucking Dora the Explorer's name. Oh, mate, it's so funny. Yeah, anyway, so Wesley Snipes is Balade. It will stick as well because it's become commonplace to call him that in this house. Uh, Stephen Dorif as Deacon Frost. Chris Christopherson, <laughs> every time, is Whistler. That's some fucking Marvel-ass name in that is. <laughs> Nabushi Wright as Karen. Mate, you still fucked it up. Nabushi. Nabushi. I, I literally, pe- people at home, I literally said to Lee, I was like, learn this woman's name right now so you don't make a damn fool of yourself on the podcast. It's, it's Nabushi, isn't it? <laughs> she made a damn fool of herself. Still messed anyway. it up right as Karen. <laughs> Uh, Donald Logue as Quinn, Udo Kier as Dragonetti. Yeah. Yeah. Arlie Jover as Mercury, Tracy Lords as Raquel. Big up Tracy Lords. Uh, and then Sana Lathan as Vanessa. Ooh, that double S was difficult to get out then. Um, I think that's really kind of it. Yeah. I mean, there's other people in this film, obviously. There's quite a big cast overall, but... They're like your main characters. I want to know who plays Pearl because I'm pretty sure that, like Pearl is just a little dude in a fat suit, right? Uh, Pearl Eric Edwards. What does he look like? I bet he's just like a little skinny dude who just had to sit in a fat he's suit. He's wearing a Wu Tang Clan shirt in a in Lad. this t-shirt in this picture of him. What an absolute geezer! Look at geez. him. This Wu Tang shirt. Wu Tang ain't nothing to fuck with. Wu Tang is for the children. Yeah, what you just said. <laughs> uh, so this film was made on a budget do I have the budget information the budget Ooh, the budget I do on a budget of 45 million dollars estimated and gross worldwide was 131 million 211 377 dollars mm-hmm. good job it spawned two sequels a TV series and I've never seen a TV series a Marvel re- Marvel Cinematic Universe reboot mm-hmm. in the works uh, plot line for this movie is a half vampire half mortal man becomes a protector of the mortal race while settling evil vampires mm-hmm. what uh, 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 uh. do you do you remember the first time you saw this movie oh god no I have like vague recollections because we were arguing over plot points of this film while we were mm-hmm. watching it because I have like really vague recollections, but I watched all three of them back to back. Mm-hmm. So I watched them after all three had been released. So they've all kind of merged a little bit in my head as we realised when we were arguing yeah. over Whistler. Um, but I don't remember when it was. It must have been after the third film came out. Mm-hmm. So when was that? So the third film came out in 2005. 2005. So I must have seen it maybe 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems like about peak vampire time for me. Yeah. How old were I? Mean, yeah, that was about peak vampire era. So yeah, about 2007 I probably saw it. Yeah, I remember seeing it quite young. Um, I didn't know... I'm not overly familiar with the comic book character and I wasn't overly familiar when I saw the film. So I randomly, as a teen, as a child, grew up with a lot of weird comic book movies 
So I have a lot of weird, obscure comic book knowledge about weird, obscure comic books. Like, I remember reading, like, Barbed Wire when I was a kid and seeing the film. I like uh, Tank Girl. I like all the, I like Steel and, like, all these weird comic book movies that were coming out in the 90s. The only two comic book characters that they made films on that I was growing up with as a kid that I knew anything <coughs> really about was Superman, because Superman's my favourite comic book character, and then Batman, who's, like, my second favourite comic book character. Lisa. Um, and then, like, obviously these movies all came out in the wake of, like, Batman being super fucking successful, and then Batman and Robin absolutely screwing the pooch. Uh, um, no, no, we don't. We don't talk ill of Batman. Because like in Batman this and Robin house. came out like a year before this movie. Mm-hmm, we do not speak ill of that but film in this house, though. We do because it's dog shit. We anyway, don't. It's my favorite. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> I think. I think the thing that makes Blade such a significant film is we'll talk about its influence on like vampire <gasps> culture and like film culture, but like Blade is one of the first real big blockbuster movies based on a comic book that had like an african-american lead um obviously you had men in black two years no a year before this which is obviously based on a marvel comic book which had will smith yeah it's based on a marvel comic which had Will Smith in it, obviously, as like one I of the co-leads. I did co-leads. not know that was based on a comic book. And then the first real big one, obviously based on an obscure comic book, was Spawn. Because obviously Michael Jai White played Spawn. Spawn's, you know, a, a you know, historically black character. Um, he he was the lead of a big action comic book movie. Never so three years in a row, you had these like they were starting to kind of move away from like your all American like blue haired you know, blue-eyed, blue-eyed, and it was the first time you saw the culture changing and like you were seeing like, you know, black superheroes or black people in comic book movies of like real prominence. See, I think that this was maybe, I mean, I have definitely seen the Batman films before this. Mm -hmm. I saw, I definitely had seen Batman and Robin by this point. But I think this was, like, the first real superhero movie that I, like, sat down and watched. Yeah. Like, okay, he, technically Blade is a superhero comic book-wise, but he's yeah. more of a... I always think of Blade as more of, like, a... He's just... He's got a job and he's doing it, but he doesn't really yeah. give that much of a shit about the human race yeah. either. And that's the other thing as well. Like, this was the period of, like... All of these, like, grungy, like, comic book movies that were, like, alternate characters that were, like, really violent, based on really violent comic books. Like, Judge Dredd had come out by this point. As I said, Tank Girl had come out, Barbed Wire. I just said that and I realised I'd have probably seen... Um... Tank Girl. No, I didn't see Tank Girl until mm. I was quite a little bit older than that. Um, no, I'd have seen um, Daredevil by this point as well. And yeah. Electra, maybe? Yeah. But I have mostly removed those films from my mind, so they don't really count. <laughs> and and it's really interesting, like because we talk about what Blade we can we're, we're going to talk a lot about what Blade did for like culture, like not only pop culture wise, but like fashion, music, and everything going forward. But like Wesley Snipes was actually be- prior to this developing a Black Panther movie, oh, really? so we could have had a Black Panther movie with Wesley Snipes in it in the nineties, which again. When you think, like, in 2018, what a massive cultural shift Black Panther was when it came out in the MCU. Like, the amount of money it made, like, the celebration of, like, you know, different cultures and things like that. And, like, what it did for, like, you know, a lot of people that hadn't, up until, 
like them not really seeing themselves represented on screen Mm -hmm. and like you think all of the cultural buzz it had in 2018 like however many movies deep it was into the mcu by that point you think about how much more culturally significant it would have been in the 90s when like a star of like wesley snipes's caliber because he was like fucking untouchable in the 90s and if he'd made black panther then outside of the mcu and what that movie would have been then and i think the only reason why he got he turned it down was because he got offered blade and as he turned around and said as the quote from him says is like i got to wear a leather suit and i got to do martial arts and like and he was like that character seems a lot cooler to me and blade as well the, the film is the first real significant instance of a comic book being influenced by the film that influenced the comic because if you read the original Blade comics, it's like a black exploitation comic. So kind of like Luke Cage and Heroes for Hire, it came out in the seventies. He was kind of like, you know, more of a black exploitation type character. And then after the success of the film, the comic book character started to look like Wesley Snipes and dress like Wesley Snipes and behave like he does in the film. Mm-hmm. So it's the first like cyclical incidence of like one influencing the other to then influence the other again. Like now how when you read certain Marvel comics, Thor looks like Chris Hemsworth and Nick Fury looks like Samuel L. Jackson, etc. Um, so I think this movie did a lot of stuff for like culture at the time and like the way that like comic book movies and things were developing. And obviously off the back of this, we got Spider-Man, we got X-Men, etc. as well. Um, so like, how do you feel about like the Blade franchise and it, its place in like history of like comic book movies and what it did going forward so i i I fucking adore this movie i'm not as fond of the franchise as a whole Mm -hmm. i really love this film there's huge parts of the second film that i really quite like and the third film's i mean it's got ryan reynolds in it Mm -hmm. i'm never not happy when there's ryan reynolds involved but also it's not that good of a film yeah in like as an overall movie this first movie though fuck me does it hit the nail on the head like yeah. it is such a good film and it must have been it was like one of the first like quite mature films american yeah. films i'd seen because i'd seen battle royale by this i point. mean this movie's an 18 so yeah but like it really hit and it was like during i was in my goth phase Man was running around in a black leather jacket, like the trench coat, and like shooting things while like fucking rave music played. I was happy. Yeah. Um, I think it was one of those films as well. It did so well, good financially, especially after the bomb of um, Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. which, let's be honest, is the start of the downfall of DC. Um, as much as I do like that film, um, and it kind of gave superhero movies that boost again of mm-hmm. like. Oh, actually, like this has actually done my work quite well. And I'm like, yeah, cause it's good. You need a good plotline. You need good actors. You need like a solid story. You can't just go give the bat suit nipples. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. <coughs> like, um, think... and plus having Wesley Snipes as well. Who like, I wasn't exactly aware of Wesley Snipes because back when I was that age, I was like, uh, action movies are for losers. I'm so cool and different. I'm not like every other girl that exists, as every teenage girl is at like fourteen, fifteen. Um, so I didn't really know who Wesley Snipes was before I saw Blade. Mm-hmm. It was the film that introduced me to, as an a- to him as an actor. And even since then, I haven't seen a lot of his work. 
because he just doesn't tend to appear in movies that appeal to me. We watched him in the Expendables. We did watch him. We, we, I mean, we sat and watched all three of the Expendable movies over two nights, like fucking psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very good in that, but he was basically just doing Wesley Snipes shit. I was very much into it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, no, I think it did have like a really big cultural impact on like the superhero genre of movies, and like not just superhero, like comic book adaptations. Yeah. Because you did see a, see a rise again in films <clears throat> like adapted from comic books after this came out, and it also had a huge impact on the overall scene of vampire films. Yeah, I I think one of the great things about this movie and possibly why it was so successful is it didn't have such huge brand recognition. No. So like the Blade comics weren't like they're not like as successful as other things. No. So for a lot of people, this movie kind of snuck under the radar. Like, a lot of people didn't know it was... A comic book a movie. A comic book movie. And, like, even now, I talk to people, and they're like, what, what, what? Like, I think when Blade got announced to be in the MCU a couple of years ago, and they announced Mahershala Ali was going to play him, a lot of people... A lot, a lot of people were like, what the... What? Why is Blade in it? And, like, if people still didn't realise it was, like, a comic book movie. Yeah. Um, which I think did the movie a real service at the time because of Wesley Snipes' popularity. He was in that sort of that pocket of like people were just going to see things because he was in it, um, and like and he had like a lot of appeal. I mean, I I, I speak as somebody who wasn't really into to action movies, which is what he was mostly known for yeah. back then, uh, and still mostly is to be honest. I don't know yeah. why I said back then. Like he's not still quite worthy to be well known for being an action movie star. Uh, but, like, it was a movie that appealed to me. It appealed to me because it was a vampire film. Yeah. But, like, Wesley Snipes, an actor, he was hot. So the girls were like, I'll go see it. Wesley Snipes is in it. He's in those movies that my boyfriend likes that I think are shit. Yeah. But it's got hot dudes in it. And obviously all the men were like, oh, it's got fucking Wesley Snipes. He's just good action. Like, yeah. So it really did hit a really great middle ground. If people who were aware of the comic books went to go see it because they like Blade. People who love... Wesley Snipes went to go see it because it's fucking Wesley Snipes and all of their girlfriends went to go see it because he's hot. I think also Wesley Snipes does have like cross-platform appeal because he can do comedy if you watch films like Money Train or like White Men Can't Jump like he's very funny in those types of movies but he also like he brings in the action crowd but he also brings in like martial arts because people forget he is a very legit martial artist as well so like a lot of people who are like martial arts fans like will go and see his movies and then you throw in like a twist of like, oh, it's a vampire movie. And like, this is what I was saying to you. And like, that's how they drew in like a lot of the goth crowd yeah. as well. Is it's a fucking vampire mu- mu- movie with rave music. And, and the, like back in the 90s as well, like <clears throat> underground raves were a huge deal yeah. for everybody as well. Like, there was a huge, it was a huge in the goth scene. Yeah. Along with like everyone else. Like you could go to an underground rave back then and there would be people from all different and, and that carried on as well, because we used to still have the asylum raves here up until about, like, ten years ago. Yeah. I think might still be going, I just might be too old to be in the movie <laughs> now, to be honest. Like, but... the thing is, as well, I think they pulled a blinder when they did the trailer, because I said to you, like, the the opening scene, the blood rave, where he walks in, and I was like, this is the greatest character introduction of all time. I'm pretty confident that scene is in the trailer. I have a feeling so it they might show be. like a, a compacted version of they the show, rave they scene. Show, they show you. I'm pretty sure in the trailer they show. They don't show it all start. But they show them all dancing in the yeah. blood, and then the separation as Blade stood there. Yeah, and I'm like that alone is enough for people to like want to buy a ticket. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like 
it's fascinating because we were talking about how this movie came out four years after Interview of a Vampire, six after Bram Stoker's Dracula, four years prior to Queen Queen of the the Damned, and two years, only two, prior to Dracula 2000. And I was saying to you, like, this is where we talk about, like, the cultural significance of the film, is you look at, like, this, this movie comes out a year before The Matrix. And, like, you look at The Matrix... Some of the shots in the Matrix, the, the style of the clothes, style, they wear. the clothing, yeah. you know everything, and it's really funny because um, when they pitched this movie to New Line, the executives at New Line said they could only see three people playing Blade: Wesley Snipes, who was David Goyer's original choice and Stephen Norrington's choice, Denzel Washington, and Morpheus himself, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. I was like, what who, was the actor? Called? Like. You think about like you look at Lawrence Fishburne in in um, the Matrix, and he's basically dressed like fucking Blade. Yeah. Um, and you and then obviously the scene where he's doing the kung fu with Neo and stuff as well is very like Blade esque. And then, but then you look at like I said to you, like Dracula two thousand is not See, the which you talked about when we watched it. We talked about like the influence on things like Dracula two thousand, Queen of the Damned, the Underworld movies. For me. Underworld, I can see it. Queen of the Damned, I can see it. Dracula 2000 is the one film that kind of, I go, mm, I think Buffy had more of an influence on Dracula 2000 than Blade did. Because the character of Dracula quite often reminds me of a mix of like Angel and Spike. Mm-hmm. So I think that film would have probably maintained the exact yeah. same style to it. Because it feels like it was very heavy, heavily influenced by the style of Buffy. I think what I mean when I say that is when you watch it, it's very visually, like the visual language that they use in the film. Like the quick cuts, the fast editing, the colours. Like I the, just... I, yeah, sure. Like I just not, feel like that was the yeah, style at the time. The trench coat. <laughs> but again, though, that... that yeah, 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 that, yeah. And I feel like the choice of Blade wearing that in the film, because I don't know if he wears it in the comic books, in the original comic no, books. No, he doesn't. I've never he has like a, like a leather biker but jacket. But I feel like the leather floor length leather jacket, that came from like characters like Spike wearing mm-hmm. them. Because it looks fucking cool. And you see... Yeah. Any, we've done an episode in Buffy, you all know how much I'm about. You see that any image of Spike with his hair slicked yeah. back and that leather jacket, it is instantly, you're like, that is a cool yeah. dude. And I feel like that... Like, as we'll talk, like, Blade did have a massive influence on the vampires in movies going forward. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of that influence that comes through Blade can be traced back to coming yeah. from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which already existed <clears throat> at this point. Interestingly enough, though, Spike didn't appear in a season of Buffy until the same year that Blade was released. Uh, so I do wonder if it's a chicken or the egg situation. Maybe. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. No. Um, so, yeah, you kind of... You can definitely see... Daybreakers is another film as well. Um, you look at Daybreakers, especially you can see it in Blade Trinity because Daybreakers, the film, and De- Blade Trinity are very similar. They have a very similar colour palette. They have a very similar storyline. Yeah. Um, so you can definitely see like Blade's influence in vampire movies going forward. Oh, definitely. And it would it would last that way for a decade until 2008 when obviously Twilight came out and then again there was a cultural shift and it completely recontextualized which is kind vampires of a shame. and like what we what we saw vampires and werewolves although they're not werewolves, no, werewolves we've discussed before, um you know going forward and then again there would be another cultural shift when like what we do in the shadows come out and and things like that as well so 
it to be fair i feel like it's one of those weird things because blade really rejuvenated the vampire um legacy because we yeah. didn't really have a lot of vampire films in the run-up to blade it had kind of gone all quiet on the western front and then blade happened and then we had underworld queen of the damned daybreakers uh night watch day watch <laughs> we had this like suddenly there was a boom in vampire movies again because of how popular blade was and then we talk about twilight happening and obviously it's turning how we view vampires twilight killed vampires though mm-hmm. if you look since twilight came out we had a few more teens so there was like vampire academy and i'm sure there's another couple as well that came out around about the same time but there hasn't really been a big vampire franchise since yeah because twilight did very much and even in books we don't get as many vampire novels anymore because they've gone they've lost popularity because of twilight yeah i think also as well like even like even if you look at the other pockets of things i think i think blade outside of near dark which came out in like the late 80s early 90s which is a Catherine bigelow movie uh that and lost boys are the first time that you really saw like, what a modern take on vampires would be in this society. Mm-hmm. And I do think, like, as much as Blade paid its influence forward, I think Blade, the film, took some of its, like, storytelling and, like, its visuals from films like Near Dark and from The yeah, Lost Boys. Yeah, and again, Boys. talking about, like, vampires in leather jackets, Lost Boys, because yeah. David has a long trench... Uh, he has a dove, uh, like, a material one. He's got, yeah, it's like, like knee-length yeah. black... But it's like more like it's wool. it's flawless, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a woolen one. It's a woolen one, but it's a similar, very similar kind of yeah. flow to it. As Marco a wears jacket. the leather one. Marco, he hasn't got a lot. It's a short leather jacket. Yeah. No, it's not Marco. It's um. Alex Winter's character, isn't it? It's not Alex Winter's character. Got long hair. It's oh, I can't think what his character called. And uh, Michael's got one. one as well, isn't he? Yeah, it's the other blonde Paul. Yeah. Paul has the leather jacket. So it is interesting to kind of see, like... It's when you know a bitch <laughs> knows way too much about Lost Boys when she knows what the other vampires are called. But, like, it's, it's the first kind of instance where we saw, like, vampires as, like, everyday people. They're not, like, stuffy fucking aristocracy, like... Yeah. Frilly shirt, dream theatre-looking motherfuckers. But then, like, you look at some of the things that came out outside of, like, films and stuff, you look at stuff like... The weird, the, one of the weirdest shows for me, I think, is The Vampire Diaries. Because The Vampire Diaries yeah. can't tell whether it wants to be a show steeped in tradition and it wants the vampires to look like Anne Rice vampires or it wants them to exist in modern society. So it Ooh. kind of tries to do a bit of both, Not I think. Not really. Not a majority. In fact, apart from flashbacks, all of the vampires dress very modern. I think the only exception to that rule is Finn, who appears in season three, who's one of the originals, but that's because mm. he's been locked in a coffin for, like, 700 years. Mm. So he's not quite as modern as everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but no, they don't tend to... Apart from flashbacks, it's mostly, like, they're all wearing, like, leather jackets and jeans. And then we obviously got... and shit. True Blood. Yeah. And what's the, what's the one that you watched where it was, like, the vampire detective and it ran for, like, a fucking season? Oh, Blood Ties. Yeah, they also had a show called Moonlight, which had the guy from Hawaii 90210 Not to be it. confused with Moonlight. Hawaii 90210? Oh, oh, oh. Hawaii 5 oh, yeah. <laughs> not, to, not to be confused with Moonlighting, starring Bruce Willis and No, 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 no. Moonlight, uh, which was another vampire show. also not to be confused show. with Moonlight. <laughs> um, what else have we had? Uh, vampire High? Yeah. If anyone remembers Vampire High, the there UK was it aired the, on the horror uh, channel at like 1am. There was the other one. It wasn't Blood Ties. It was the other one that Anna Paquin was in. Um, there was another one 
that was like it's not blood ties, but it was something else similar. It had like a woman. It was either Anna Packard or a woman that looked like her in it. It was like it was on Sci Fi or Sky One or some shit. But yeah, like those 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 shows and those things kind of took the concept of like modern day vampires. But like it's weird seeing like vampires doing like normal shit. And like Moonlight or Blood Ties, whichever one it was, was basically what Angel was. Because Angel was a fucking blood. You're thinking of blood ties. Yeah. I mean, Moonlight also. I'm pretty sure he was. I didn't really like Moonlight because I didn't think the guy who was playing the vampire was hot enough. I think it was Alex Lachlan. Mm. Alex Lachlan. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. I know he's in a Y5O later in his career, but I didn't think he was attractive. So I liked uh, Blood Ties, which was both historical and modern, because mm. he was the bastard son of Henry VIII who got yeah. turned into a vampire by Anne Boleyn, I think. There we go. Um, it was a weird premise. I had it on DVD for years. It's now on like Amazon or something. But like, this is what I like about Blade. Blade bridges the gap. The first movie, especially, bridges the gap between like the weird old stuffy vampire council yes. and like we have done things traditionally. This we is have what done I do this. really love as well. Is they kind of give you two very different versions of vampires. You have the council who are all what are referred to in this as pure blood vampires so they're vampires who were born vampires mm-hmm. and then you have the new i don't know what they actually call them but the turned vampires i'm going to refer to them as the new bloods um and it's kind of like that separation of like there we are tradition we have traditions this is the way we do things versus all of the newer turned vampires going but why this should be changed it doesn't make sense yeah and I really like that. I like the idea of there being like this separation in vampire society between like the old world and the new world yeah. and like the way things are done. Because it's been done that way for hundreds of years. And you see this a lot in any movies where like you have like an older character and a much younger character who's like, Well, it's always been done that way, so that's the way we do it. Kingsman's a great example yeah. of it. And the young one going, Well, that seems really fucking dumb. Why don't we change it? And yeah. I really that's one of the big things that i love in this movie i really wish they dived into more yeah. is the mythology and the actual like societal rules around vampires which is you i think if ever we've learned anything from me, me and this podcast is i really like to have a huge world build of like yeah. this is what everything looks like behind the scenes <coughs> you hate it i to a degree i think there's certain films we've watched where you're like it's just really boring because they're just giving me loads of facts about this fucking society and i'm like this is the greatest thing ever filming in on all of the background yeah like there's certain things that i like to know the world I can't, well, we've done it a few times where we've had films it's normally films i really love and you're like it was boring mm. and i'm like but look at all of the world building they built me an entire society and told me all about it there are some there are some films where it just doesn't work avatar sometimes it doesn't work but avatar is just fucking romeo and juliet with blue people i think avatar is one of those ones where it's like it's intent to show you the world but not it wants to show you the world visually, but it doesn't want to tell you anything about the world. And that pisses me off. But like generally speaking, I quite like things with lore and like world building and stuff like that because I like to know the ins and outs. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna spend a significant amount of my time sitting and watching a film or like a franchise, I like to immerse myself in it. So I like to know things about how stuff works. The problem with this, and I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you were talking about the franchise, is the Blade franchise suffers from the same thing that a lot of the franchise does. David Goya is the only creative person who is along all three films. He wrote the first two, he wrote and directed the third one. The problem with Blade is 
is it doesn't expand upon its its mythology from film to film and it very much feels like a series of one-shot comic books because they have a different creative team in every film so every film is standalone from each other and the only consistent is blade and the blade that is in blade trinity is very different to the blade that is in Bl- the first blade movie because by that point he's become a wesley snipes character rather than like blade yeah um and that's the problem like you have a guy like stephen norrington this is his first big studio film he would direct i hasten to add one more film after this and then retire and he retired sean connery in the process and then in the second movie, it's GDT. It's another comic book. It's GDT, which is the one we nearly covered. We did. I do like the second one, but the problem I have is they don't. They expand on the world building quite mm-hmm. a bit, but they move away from everything we learned in the first film and went, well, we don't really care about this. There's a secret underground society of vampires yeah. called the Rippers. Rippers? Reavers. No, Reavers. Reapers. Sorry. Reapers, fuck me. And they're like vampires, but worse. And here's the mythology around them. I'm like, that's great. Tell me about how vampire society works in this film. Because yeah. there's obviously like a whole set of rules and regulations and laws. <coughs> and they are controlled yeah. to a degree. Tell me about it. Tell uh, me about it. It's one of the main issues I have with the Twilight films. Mm-hmm. Is they have an entire society. But they don't bother filling yeah. you in on a lot of it. And then obviously in the third, <coughs> in the third Blade movie, it's Dracula. Or Drake, as he's called. Um... The third one does have that really haunting image, though, where they open the fucking warehouse and all the humans are suspended in, like, suspended animation in, like, the blood bags. Yeah. Don't they replicate that in Daywalkers, pretty much? Daybreakers, Daybreakers. Um, I haven't seen Daybreakers. I'm pretty sure they walk into a room at one point. It's just a bunch of humans being drained of their blood. Yeah, like, it wouldn't surprise me. It's set in a world where vampires have taken over. Yeah. It's basically, if the blood god won in Blade... But that's what, I, that's what I mean, like, I think that's why as a franchise it suffers, because nobody could get on the same page, yeah. and nobody, and like, you hear all the stories about how fucking Wesley Snipes acted on the set of the third movie, he wouldn't come out of his trailer, he wouldn't respond to being called anything other than Blade, mm. he fucking punched David Goyer in the face, like, he refused to talk to anybody, they were, like, working with a half script, at, uh, like, half the time. He was having, like, fucking the script changed constantly. Like, he was a fucking asshole to everybody, apparently. Like, I'm not going to talk shit about Wesley Snipes, because a man can fucking kick my ass with one leg tied behind his fucking back. But from everything I know about that mo- like that movie, it was a terrible experience. And that was what shunted the franchise, like, and shelved it for years. But the thing I love about this movie is the mo- this movie is... It sets up everything that it needs to set up. It has quite an efficient pace. It's very it's very zippy, like we're in and out very, very quickly. Like it never overstays its welcome. Um, I love, St- like, I don't think Stephen Dorff gets enough credit for how fucking good he is in this movie. And I think of all three villains, so him in this, Luke Goss from Bross as the main Reaver in the second one, Reaper, sorry, and then... Dominic Purcell as Drake in the third movie. I think he's the best villain across the board. I think his plan makes complete sense. I think he's fucking very charismatic. I mean, we did discuss this slightly. His plan makes sense up to the point of it working. Because he's all like, the blood god will turn everybody into vampires. What happens to your fucking blood, your source of food? 
yeah. didn't think this through, did you? Yeah, but the thing is, as he turns around and says, if you if you really pay attention to what he's saying, he is trying to become like Blade. So he is trying to create an army of people like Blade. Yeah. So therefore, they wouldn't need to feed anymore. But they would... Blade does still need to feed. He uses yeah. serum to stop himself, and they all know that. But... I imagine that they would try and get themselves to a point where they're like Blade, but they still don't need to do, like, whatever it is. Um, I also don't understand how the serum blows them up. Like, this is something that was very confusing in the film. It's confused me ever since I was a child. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So Blade takes the serum Sorry, guys. to stop himself from, it's like, eating. It's not his serum. But, that's, but the, the thing that he kicks into it's at the end the is the serum. No, it's not. Yeah, because he's waving no, at his face. Not. Yeah, he is. So... Blade doesn't take any serum with him. The little blue vials, his serum's red. Right. The little blue vials, you know when she's in the lab with him and she's like, here's the CRP or whatever it's called, and she puts it on and it explodes the blood. Mm. He's filled vials with that. Oh. Because that's what he puts in the two vampires earlier on that make them explode. That makes more sense. And then when, because they don't know what the serum looks like, they just know he takes it. When he sees the vials, he assumes it's blade serum. And that's why he goes like, uh, you might like it. Why yeah, because I was like, it? I was like, why is it? Why is the shit blowing? Yeah, these no, no, up? it's the it's the chemical compound that she found that makes vampires blow up. I was so confused. I thought, yeah, so I thought Deacon Frost. I think Deacon Frost is a great villain. Deacon Frost is a great villain. His he, plan gets a bit ropey towards the end, but we can just wish over that it's fine. Stupid, sexy Stephen Dorff. He um, is an attractive man. He he has some great lines in this movie. He does. He he has a fucking amazing sword fight with Blade at the end. Um, this film has one of the greatest insults slash one-liners known to existence, which is some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. Yeah, which is which is only topped by Ryan Reynolds's two insults in Blade Trinity, where he calls Parker Posey a cock juggling thunder cunt and a, a horse humping bitch. That is true. Um, well, there's some motherfuckers always talking about ice, oh, ice skate up here with my favourite fucking line. Do you know what I just remembered? The third one's the one that's got Triple H in it and the vampire Pomeranian. Yes. Oh, yes. fuck my ass. That, uh, that is a thing that exists. Fuck it. And Triple H is dog shit in that film as well. He fights Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Reynolds like wipes the floor with him. Mm. Um... But no, this, I think this film overall is really fucking enjoyable though. And I have to give it to... And Bushi. Yeah. As Karen. Because she... You, you're you a bit eh on her, but she is potentially one of my favourite like vampire final girls. Because mm-hmm. um, she's really... Hey, she starts out, she's a little bit wishy-washy, but very quickly gets super bloodthirsty and really inventive on her ways of dealing with shit. I think this is another thing as well, though, because they set her up to be like his, like... I don't know, not love interest, but like... He says to her at the end of the movie, he's like, oh, yeah, like, keep creating. Like, there's a war coming. Like, I need this stuff from you. And you never see her again. She doesn't come back for any of the other movies. Yeah, because he says, like, can you, like, keep trying to improve that serum? Yes. Um, and I don't know if that was, like, a, the actress just went, no. Yeah. Or if it was a, the later script, they just went, oh, fuck it. Because there's further on in the script as well, when you hit Blade Trinity, where you get to the point of, like, Hang on, how is Whistler's daughter alive when we find out in the first movie both of his girls died? Yeah. Like, I think they well, just kind of started just going, you know what, fuck it. I'm glad you mentioned that because there was one thing that was changed between movies. The ending of this movie uh-huh. where he's in Russia 
was not the original end of this film. Okay. There is an alternate ending, and you can find it on YouTube. But the second movie, check your watches, because it was nearly Morbin time. If you watch the alternate cut of this movie, there is... When him and Tracy... Karen. Karen. Well, I keep calling this woman Tracy. I don't know why. Are on the roof. He says the exact same thing to her. And he turns... And Morbius is on the roof opposite him, looking at him. And it's Stephen Norrington, the film's director, playing Morbius. And Morbius was meant to be the villain in the second movie. And right up until GDT signed on, and like they, they handed him, I think, the second version of the script. Right up until they shot, I think, Morbius was going to be the villain in the second movie. And then Del Toro just went, nah, bruv. And he was like, these these Reaper guys. He's like, look. He's like, look at my sketchbook. He's like, look at the sketchbook, guys. I've got these guys and they were for a movie. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Fuck Morbius. And he went, look, look at the look at the vagina mouths, guys. Look at the <laughs> vagina mouths. I feel like like every now and then Guillermo del Toro just like has an idea and he pulls the sketchbook out and he's just pointing. Like He's like, we're doing this. This. Yeah, basically. This is what we're doing. And everyone's like, but, but Guillermo, he's like, no, this. He's like, look, guys. And everyone just kind of goes... Don't argue. Like the man gets scary sometimes. Just like, agree. He's like, Roger. look, guys, cockroaches, Lady Shag's fish man. Like he's just got. <laughs> a... He's got a little list of shit yeah. he wants to happen. He's like, he's like incest, fish man, cockroaches. What actually happened? Do you want know to know what actually happened? Is so Guillermo del Toro has you know like the Wheel of Fortune wheels. Yeah. He has he's... one of those, and they when you're doing blades, he went perfect. He like pulls out the wheel of fortune yeah. and it's got all of the movie options around it he just goes are you ready and it's just like spin 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 vagina mouth we're doing vagina mouth vampires guys we won't moment it we're doing vagina mouth vampires thank you and he's like who will, who will play the leader <laughs> the guy from bros that's a bingo and it's like <laughs> <laughs> I want to be very clear we both do love Jim Toro, but I just this is I think it's because he comes across as like a little bit batshit crazy when you see him and I like in my head can fully imagine him doing something he like reminds that. me of that like weird uncle or like slightly weird grandpa I guess they're like you go to that you go and spend a summer at the house and he's like gather around children I found a box in the attic I'm going to tell you the story of every item in this box yeah and it's like... Little kooky weird uncle. I'd be <sighs> fair. I don't know if I have a kooky weird uncle. I wish I did. <laughs> uncle Nobbed. I don't know if I do. I feel like the closest I have to a kooky weird uncle is our Steve. And he's not really that kooky or no. weird. He's grown his hair. Sorry, this is really... Um, he's um, nothing to do with you. He's grown his hair. Oh, God. He's got um, hair. It's weird. Yeah. So, I think, like... From from like a, 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 a like a we could have had a Morbius like is what I'm saying we could have had Mor- Morbius, but the reason another reason why Morbius wasn't used is because they never name him in the end. You're supposed to just know that it's Morbius in the seat in the in, the, in the first one. Um, Sony um, Sony wanted to keep him because he was originally a Spider-Man villain, and Sony way back then before they'd even made a Spider-Man movie had earmarked him as like a future Spider-Man villain and I was like I'm trying to imagine in my head like if he'd fought if fucking Tobey Maguire at the age of 52 playing a 17 year old would have fought Morbius who the fuck would have played Morbius in like 2002 or 2004 probably still Jared Leto I mean he would have looked exactly the fucking same 
But could you imagine, like, prick. could you imagine if they'd made Spider-Man 3 and it's not Topher Grace's Venom, it's like Topher Grace's Morbius? Because I'm trying to think of what actors would have been hot at the time, like who would have played Morbius, but... Yeah, I mean, a Blade versus Morbius movie would have been really fucking interesting because, like, obviously, Michael Morbius is a blood doctor. He is, like, a hematologist who accidentally turns himself into a vampire. Like, the story from the film is obviously very literal. And I think the idea of someone who's, like, turned themselves into a chemically enhanced vampire but isn't really a vampire versus, like, the Daywalker would have been really cool. It would. Um, but, yeah, obviously, we got we got whatever Del Toro gave us, which was... Vagina vampires. Fucking, like, Blade 2 is fucking insane. Like, it's a batshit insane film. Oh, it's one of those movies, I don't really remember it. Like, I remember the Reavers, the Reapers, but that's mm. about it. I... Like, outside of that... I watched Blade 2 uh, about a year ago. I haven't seen it since, like, the first time I watched it, I think. When I was working from home, uh, so when I started when I started this job, and I couldn't remember those glory days when I couldn't use... The phones for ages because they couldn't figure out that I needed an external mouse. <laughs> um, yeah. I would on Saturdays. On Saturdays, all I could do was checks. So I would sit there and watch movies. And I think I watched in one afternoon: The Dark Knight, Watchmen, and Blade Two. Um, and yeah, Blade Two is a surprisingly good movie. Like it holds up really fucking well. I still have a cinema ticket for that somewhere. Um, but yeah. So what? We've talked a lot of about what we did like in Blade. Was there anything in this movie that you didn't like? Um, not really. It's it's one of those films that generally I'll be able to find something I don't particularly like quite easily. There's not really anything in this film that I'm like, oh, that wasn't fun. Because it's so fast paced and everything happens at like a really reasonable pace. There's not really like any slow bullshit in it. I think my only downside to this film is they don't really delve enough into vampire culture for me. Mm-hmm. Which I know is a weird fucking sentence to say. <coughs> but now I really like it. I think I just overall really enjoy this movie. Is it the greatest movie ever made? No. But it's enjoyable from beginning to end, which is all you can really ask for. I think... The only thing, like, I don't like the EDM soundtrack, but that's because I don't really like techno music to begin with. Um, I think I agree with you. Of the three movies, this is the least vampire-y from a perspective of seeing them actually do vampire stuff. Like, you don't really see the vampires do vampire stuff much in this one. Obviously, you see more of it in the second one, um, but obviously to a different degree. And in the third one, like... The whole fucking planet is apparently overrun with vampires in the third one. Um, I've never seen the TV series, so I don't know how they handle no, I've never with seen the TV with your boy Sticky Fingers. Who? Sticky Fingers, the rapper who plays Blade in the series. Who the fuck is Sticky Fingers? But it's not it's not fingers. It's Fingaz, F I N G A A Z. Because he's because who the fuck is Sticky Fingers? He's he's a rapper. He's an American rapper. Uh, the TV series went never for like. Went for like a season, um, but yeah, I mean, I I think there are very few drawbacks in this movie. I could have done without the the subplot with his mum, the weird. My mum was alive the whole time. She's done a heel turn and now she's a vampire and she's trying to be sexy with me. Situation like I would have cut that whole subplot out. I don't think it en- like really added anything to the film. It wasn't particularly shocking. It didn't really have, like, any kind of weird emotional payoff. 
Um, and it was just kind of there as like a whole thing of like, haha, for a got you moment. So, ah, I gotcha. so I think I would have cut. That's the only thing I really would have cut down would have been the weird subplot with his mum. Yeah, it was. It was weird. And how she's acting like all sexy with him when he's like shirtless, and she's like fucking giving him like weird Eskimo kisses, like she's rubbing her nose all over his face, and I'm like, what is happening here? Like, what are we doing? Like, why are we doing this? Um, so that was a bit weird. But like, given the fact that this movie's twenty four years old, twenty, yeah, twenty, yeah. It holds up incredibly well. Like visually, there are there are some scenes where they use CGI blood and it's a bit ropey, yeah. and like some of the special effects are a bit ropey. Pearl looks great though. Um, do you know the weird backstory about Pearl? Do you know why he's so fat? No. Because he developed a uh, taste for eating children and infants, and he just lived off children and infants and their hearts, and that's what made him so fat. Lovely. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure there's an episode of Buffy where she goes and sees a guy like him as well. Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I think Bla- I think Blade holds up very very well. I think it's very action packed, even in today's crowded like landscape. Mm. And like when like we watched Die Hard the other day, and we were like, Die Hard feels. For the first time, Die Hard feels quaint in comparison to like action movies that we watch now. Whereas I think Blade, because it's filmed quite kinetically, is very fast moving, very fast paced. But like, it's not like a lot of movies where there's a lot of fighting in it. There's not a lot of quick cuts. There's a lot no, of wide shots. You can see a lot of wide shots. You can see that Wesley Snipes is doing the action. Like he's actually doing the fights. Yeah. Which is re- still to this day really fucking impressive. Um, and I think like because of that the movie has a really good energy to it so i think and like it's not overly visually effects heavy like i said there's a few bits like towards the end when the blood's coming up on the ceiling and some of the blood drops are like cgi and some of the the bit where like the demon spirit skeleton spirits are coming out of the vampires is a bit ropey it looks a bit ps1 graphics yeah but like it happens so quickly and they move in and out of frame so quickly that you don't your brain doesn't really notice it. Yeah. You kind of just like, oh cool. It looks it looks fucking cooler than the end of Mortal Kombat where they're all going in and out of fucking Shang Tsung in, in the first Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, I mean to be fair though, for the time period it was made, it's not that distracting, yeah. thankfully. I'm interested to see what happens now though, with the character. Now that we've got Mahershala Ali, I know that they've just hired a new director and I know that they've hired a new writing team. Um, and are obviously looking to get him into the MCU fairly quickly. I feel like the only downfall we're going to have, and it's going to be much like um, with Charlie Cox coming back as Daredevil, is we're going to see a much, a lot toned down version of the (coughs) character. Unless they're planning on popping the rating on some of their Marvel shows and films... I think we're going to get very toned down versions of the characters. Well, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? Because Werewolf by Night was kind of rated R, but and and Moon Knight came very close, very close, very close. But Sean Levy gave an interview two days ago where he said that Deadpool in the MCU will still be as violent and crude as the other two. So they are willing to let the R rating stay for Deadpool. Mm. Now, I wonder if they'll do the same thing for Blade. Well, and... this is kind of the thing. So, obviously, we got away with 
Deadpool, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, The Punisher, Iron Fist and The Defenders being very gaff graphic, very gory, mm-hmm. like really violent. But I always felt like we got away with that because it was on Netflix. However, those shows have now all been added to Disney+. Plus. Yeah. They're not canonically part of the MCU, but they have been added into the Marvel section for Disney+. Plus. So they're obviously willing to have some of their franchises exist in that yeah. R rating space. So the question becomes, do they start moving some characters, characters like um, Blade mm-hmm. and Moon Knight into a more mature space while continuing the mainstream line with the more kid-friendly yeah. characters? And if they do, would that work? Because I, like, I would love for them to come back and go, we're going to make a Blade, Blade's coming back, we're making Blade... But Blade is going to be Blade. We're going to have violence, gore. It's going to be graphic. Yeah. Because I love that about it. Like it's part of the reason, like why I really like the Daredevil show. Why I really love Jessica Jones. Like I like that they're a lot more adult. I think um, in comparison to the mainline MCU universe. Don't get me wrong. I love the MCU as it stands, but I do like the more mature versions of their characters that we also get. The thing is, I think there is a way for them to have their cake and eat it it too. Because I think, I I think the problem is people often look at Deadpool and they think, right, well, at the moment he doesn't really, he's not in the MCU. But I think what a lot of people thought was they can't make a violent Deadpool movie in the MCU because then when he crosses over with other characters, like people might be confused because they're like, well, we haven't been able to see the other one, but then like, but the, that's the this is, is the point. Is um, dead... this... Sorry, this is the point I, I was going to try and make was you can have a standalone Deadpool movie that's R rated, you can have a standalone Blade movie, but then you can still also put them in the large ensemble films and have them toned down because they're not the central focus of an Avengers movie yeah. or a blah 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 movie see... or whatever. It always gets me up with characters like like Blade. Because like Blade, for me, is a very adult character. I've never read the comic books, and my main in, like no knowledge of Blade is yeah the movie. Deadpool, I've read some of the comic books. I know exactly what Deadpool is like. They did a really good job capturing him in yeah. Deadpool film. However, Deadpool has appeared in kid shows. He's in... He's in one of the um, Spider-Man The Spider-Man shows. shows. There's a, the Ultimate Spider-Man, because there's an episode that's called The Ultimate Deadpool, mm-hmm. in which... He is still Deadpool. He's still batshit mental. He gives four different origin stories throughout the course of the episode. But he's and he's still him. But all of his unaliving, which is what he <clears> refers <throat> to it as throughout the show, is done off screen. Yeah. And it works really well because people are aware of Deadpool. You kind of, you know exactly what is happening. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like something dumb's happening for kids. Yeah. Which I really like. So, But because... It's because Deadpool is wildly aware of exactly where he is and who he's with at any given moment. So this is obviously with Spider-Man. Yeah. And because, obviously, Deadpool is fully aware that he is a character in a cartoon, it works. But a character like Blade, mm-hmm. because he's not fucking insane and is fully aware that he is a comic book character, I find it quite difficult to kind of go... Well, would that work? Yeah. Although I did find it very interesting that this is a complete ultimate. They made She-Hulk um, aware as well. Mm-hmm. See, I think well, she is in the comic books as well, though. Oh, is she? Yeah. I've never read the She-Hulk comic, so... See, I I think this is the only time I will really say that Marvel should follow DC. 
I think Marvel has a real opportunity, especially with Blade, the rumours that they're bringing back Punisher, if they want to get Ghost Rider going. Well, because like, there's a rumour they're doing the... What is their team called? This is what I was about to get to. So not every character has to be aligned with the Avengers franchise. Yes, we have Kang Dynasty coming up. Yes, we have Secret Wars coming up. And the rumour is, obviously, every character, because they've now bought Fox, at some point in those two movies, you are going to see, because Kang rips open the multiverse, you will see, like, the original Fantastic Four. You will see, like, all of these other characters. There's, like, rumours that they want Wesley Snipes back to play a multiverse version of Blade, Blade. And then Herschel Ali is Blade and... Blah, blah, blah. And then what they're basically going to do is reset the MCU after that, but keep some of the variants so they could potentially fold the original X-Men into the MCU as the characters go forward. So kind of to address the fact that, as it stands, we don't have mutants in the MCU. So basically what they want to do is keep some of the original actors from the other franchises and maybe reset the MCU going forward. And like there was rumours that they wanted to bring back like Robert Downey Jr. as like a different version of Iron Man. Like, like at this point, it's all rumours. But anyway, what I'm the point I'm trying to get at is they have a real opportunity to have like the mainline MCU and the Avengers franchise over here and to keep that the PG stuff. But then to kind of do what they did like in the comic books and do like a Marvel Knights side spin-off of the MCU where you've got characters like Ghost Rider, Blade, Werewolf by Night, Moon Knight, The Punisher, The Midnight Suns ultimately, running in this more violent side of the MCU, where they are still attached to the MCU, because obviously you hear Blade's voice in the end of The Eternals, because yeah. he's talking to Black Knight, well, and this things is like the that. Thing as well, it's like, like, because of... Because, obviously, this is very much... I was now talking about the MCU and Blade being introduced. Uh, but, like, in the comic books, there are a lot of side teams. So you have your Avengers. Yeah. And you have the West Coast, the East Coast, and the New York Avengers. Yes, yeah, so you have West Coast, East Coast, New York, Young Avengers. But, like, there's different yeah, Avengers the Animal teams. Avengers. The Animal Avengers. <laughs> but then you also have... So you have, like, the Midnight Suns. You have the Defenders. So you have, like... So then you have, like, street-level teams. Yeah. That also exists. And they do cross over within each other's comic Alpha books. Flight. And they... They appear, yeah, but they appear in and out of every like X Men, Fantastic Four, and everything. So you could very easily have like the Avengers mainline, have like a Fantastic Four spinning off of it as well. That's like they can phase in and out of the films and all get involved in each other's shit. Same with the X Men, you can bring like the X Men over and they can weave in and out, and then have like a Midnight Suns that are still canonically part of the universe and they can appear yeah. in films but they are for like a slightly more mature audience and they're off on the side and then same with like bringing back like a version of the defenders it's like new york street level yeah. team and have that again be maybe slightly more grown up maybe not an adult r rating i feel like midnight suns is the place for that yeah. but like have them aimed more towards kind of like the ages of like 16 to 18 mm-hmm. so a slightly dirtier grittier version but not quite adult and then they can still weave in and out of both sets. So I think I'm I think I'm just nervous about how they're gonna handle Blade. Um because I, I said to you when we were watching this movie, the reason why this movie fucking rules is because it's a Blade movie and Blade is on his own. Whereas in the other movies they felt compelled to give, give him, him a team. team. Yeah. And I'm like, he doesn't fucking See, need a team. And this, that's why yeah. I don't really want him to be part of the Avengers. No, but I would like because obviously in the comic books he is canonically a part of Midnight Suns. <coughs> I would be interested in seeing him work with the Midnight Suns. Yeah. But only because I feel like he doesn't make sense as an Avenger. 
because he's a little bit too violent to be an yeah. Avenger. Whereas he makes sense with characters like Moon Knight, the Punisher, um, and all of that. Because they're a lot more... Yeah. And they're also, more of the, like, we unalive a lot of like, people when what, we're fine with that. What use... Like, no disrespect, but what use would he be to the Avengers? Yeah. Like, I mean, Hawkeye and fucking Black Widow are both shit in comparison to, like, the rest of them. For, like, that, that power base. Yeah. But Blade, Blade doesn't fight really other mystical creatures he's not in he doesn't care about henchmen or like saving the world he just hunts vampires yeah. unless the fucking avengers are going to go and take on dracula like <laughs> this like... is part of the reason why i feel like he makes sense being in like a midnight sun style team yeah. especially if they're going to bring werewolf by night in because obviously that is a lot of the and more Elsa mystical side yeah. of the mcu where blade would fit in as a character a lot more easily and it would be less jarring mm. because if they bring blade into the main line then you're going to have to start addressing the fact that vampires exist in the mainline MCU. Yeah. And they live among us, and there is this character that is half vampire, half human. For everyone else, it'll kind of be like, oh, yeah, we have Hoonie Hippolytus, that's fine. But for people who have got into Marvel through the MCU and maybe haven't seen all of the older films, because like, I still haven't seen the original Hulk movie. Yeah. Because I've, I had no interest back then in Marvel movies, I've just never gone back. Yeah. But there will be a lot of people who are like that, who like they like the mainline MCU. They haven't gone back and watched the previous mm-hmm. MCU movies. Like, they haven't seen Blade. They might not have even seen the X Men. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're not it MCU will make, movies, but, I know but what you mean. they they will eventually be part. Yeah. Like, they are Marvel yeah. films. Um, Blade's not an MCU movie. It's no. a Marvel film. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, he, he wouldn't make sense because, as a general rule, the Avengers are quite grounded in real life. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, there's aliens and shit, but like, there's not really been like a lot of like mysticism mm-hmm. and magic, and like vampires and werewolves. So I just feel like it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Although we do now have uh, gods, yeah. more gods. I say like we didn't already have the Asgardians. And it also depends as well, like how much this multiverse stuff lends to like, because I know that they can use all. I, I know that they can use the other two Spider Men because they're planning to bring them into Secret Wars. Oh yeah, but. But like, but like, does that mean if we've got Blade in the MCU, they could potentially like, if they wanted to do Morbius in the MCU, would they use Jared Leto or would they recast him? Because they brought Tom Hardy's Venom into the MCU at the end of Far From No Way Home, but then they sent him back when they left a part of the symbiote behind, but then they put Michael Keaton's Vulture in Morbius, who is connected to the MCU... So because of the timeline rift, does that mean Morbius is part of the MCU already? Could he be brought into the MCU through I the multiverse like, story? I feel like Morbius is part of our MCU. Yeah. But like the Sony branch, obviously. Uh, but it depends on what agreement we have, the Sony but, has with Disney, yeah, to be honest. Because they might be like, you can use Spider-Man, but you can't use anyone else unless you get our yeah. Like, we have to agree to it beforehand and we need extra payments. Yeah. And I feel with, like, how much Morbius bombed, yeah, that's what I was Disney say. would be like, you can keep that one. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Because they'll be like, he's not going to make us any additional money, we don't give a shit. Yeah. Please but, keep but, that But, but hey, that. like, Deadpool opened this door in the multiverse and three butterflies went flap, flap, motherfucker, and now Morbius is... Jared Padalecki or something like that. Don't do that. Do not do that. <laughs> but you know what I mean, though. I am looking forward to seeing 
forward to what the fuck they're going to do with Deadpool in the multiverse. Because obviously the comic books get batshit whenever he gets to go into the multiverse. All I know about that third Deadpool movie is Wolverine's going to be in it, Miss Minutes is going to be in it, and Yay, Owen Wilson from Loki's going to be I in like it. I like Miss Minutes. And apparently they're going to encounter like a lot of the old Fox characters. Um... But do you know what would be really funny is if they do do this multiverse storyline and they bring back all the Fox characters, you just have Charlie Cox and Ben Affleck recreate the Spider-Man meme, but they're not—they're both looking in the opposite direction. <laughs> Mate, I'm just thinking, like I feel—I feel like this is going to massive, massive off rails, but I'm so excited Charlie Cox is back in the MCU. In case you can't tell, we're huge MCU fans in this house. Yeah. Um, what do you? So I guess we should round this up we with should, like probably. one final question. <laughs> We talk about all the time characters and actors being synonymous one and the same. Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, Captain America, Chris Evans, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. We can't envision anyone else playing those characters. Mm -hmm. Wolverine, Hugh Jackman. How do you feel about... Now that we've seen Blade go from being a character played by Wesley Snipes to then becoming a Wesley Snipes character and a signature character at that, how do you feel about the idea of someone else playing Blade? Even if it is a fucking amazing actor like Mahesh See, Morelli. I feel like if, if there was ever any of this one Blade movie, I would have probably been a little bit like, well, no, Blade is Blade is one of these types. Like, I can't imagine anything else. However, sadly, Blade goes off the rails quite drastically, and I kind of lost a lot of love I had for the character, <laughs> and Wesley Snipes as the character the further into those films we went. And obviously he's already been placed once because Sticky Fingars played him. <laughs> um, <laughs> stupid name. Uh, I bet his real name's like Milton or something. I licked him up. It's not Milton, but it is one of those names that you're like, really? Or like how 50 Cent's called Curtis. Kirk. His real <laughs> name is Kirk Jones, better known as Sticky Fingers. Um, what guy? I love it's better known as Sticky Fingers. I've still never heard of it. See, see how we're talking shit about that guy because we're not scared he's going to kick the shower. I mean, he uh, he might be able to, but I don't. I don't really care. He's in America somewhere. <laughs> he ain't coming to England for nothing. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so he's already been replaced on. And B, I fucking love Marshall Ali. Yeah, and I feel like if anybody was going to do that character justice. In like a new era, in a new because we're like we're in a very different place to where we were when Blade came out. When Blade came out, no one gave a shit about superhero movies. Yeah, the MCU didn't exist. Nobody mm-hmm. cared. We're now in a world where like this is going to be one of those characters of like it's going to introduce a a whole new generation of people to the character, which yeah. is very exciting. And B is gonna probably re-cement Blade as like. A well-known, well-loved character, yeah. and I think to pick anybody to play him is a huge choice. It's a big decision to make, and this is coming because I do really, really adore this movie. Uh, but I think if you're going to pick <clears throat> anyone, Mahershala Ali was probably your best choice, unless it was what's his face, the one yours call the two. What? What is his name? The one I always call who? You always refer to him as his name and then two, because you don't like to call him the second. Oh, 
Yaya Abdul Mateen the second. second. Yeah, Yaya Abdul Mateen two. I was like, what is his actual name? Because my brain always just sticks it. It's like yeah. he's two. Because like this is yeah, the other thing. Yaya is... Abdul Mateen would have been fantastic. As this well. is the other thing as well about the defenders not being canon because Mahershala Ali plays Cottonmouth. He plays the main villain in like the first season, of Luke Cage. Yeah. Um. So obviously. He... I, mean, I really want there to be an, a, a part of like the multiverse opening and fucking Luke Cage is there and fucking Mahershala Ali but as Blade, Blade. He's like, and him just be like Fuck. didn't I already kill you? Um, I think it's going to be a much different take on the character I don't think he's going to be like fucking quipping around like fucking Wesley Snipes was I think it's going to be like a more I think he's going to play like the character like more Ronan samurai-esque because like blade yeah. kind of is like a lone samurai when you think like the coat the sword like that whole walking through the earth as like the man who walks between worlds i think i think mahershala ali will bring a certain gravitas and i think it's going to be a much more serious take yeah uh like this first blade oh i don't know we say that take. he might not be i mean he could just turn around and be a funny cunt he could he be like could... what up fools he's all there like dracula bitch where's my money He's all like, ha, you big nerd. Ha, you ice skating motherfuckers. What, what? Um, but, you know, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Mahershala will probably play him a lot more straight. Like, he'll be a lot more serious. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we, we won't know until we properly get to see him. But from, three years from what we are aware and his voiceover at the end of Eternals, he seemed like he was vaguely serious. He's all like... Save us from season eight, Jon Snow. <laughs> yeah. I really, Kit really... Harrington pops into the MCU. He's like, yo, uh, Kang, can you just real quick and get rid of season eight of Game of Thrones? No, Love just go work. talk to Deadpool. <laughs> just go talk to Deadpool quickly. Captain Deadpool. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see Mahershala Ali play him. Um, I do think there's very few actors that I feel like could do the role justice. Just because I feel like, A, it's quite a demanding role and it's a very serious character. Yeah. And also, like, you're going to have to perform fight scenes and perform them well to live up to the the first film mm-hmm. in this. I mean, all of the films in the series, because the action sequences don't really get bad. Yeah. It's consistently good. I think um, as well, like, if you look at sort of black actors of a certain age, depending on what point in Blade's life you want to depict, whether he's going to be an older gentleman, like he is in the original movie. I mean, Mahershala Ali's in his 40s. So you've got someone like Mahershala Ali. You could have had Idris Elba. We know Idris Elba can fight because we've seen him in a lot of action movies. But then you also look at people like, if you wanted to go younger, you could have had like John Boyega. You could have had like maybe Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, but Daniel, him. D- D- John Boyega wouldn't have come do- done it. And I feel like Daniel Kaluuya, we couldn't have really because of, although he's a minor apart, he is a major character in the first Black Panther movie. True. Um, Same we, as like the reason why you couldn't have Michael B. Jordan play him. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan would have been a good. You can't call, have Jonathan though. Majors because he's Kang. Yeah, we could have had my favorite man, Hawkman, but DC claimed him. Aldous Hodge. Yeah, yeah. I mean Black Black Adam ain't getting a sequel, so no, I don't but I, I I know, but and then obviously you have ruined, you have ruined my boy. Obviously, you look at um, like as you said, Yahya Abdul Mateen II, um, who was in. Um, I love that your brain has to process calling him the second. I know. Like, because like, obviously he was in um, Candyman and he was in Aquaman as the villain. He played Black Manta. Uh, Winston Duke is another one that you couldn't have purely because Which of Which is like, a Black massive Panther shame well, because he would have been a cool blade. 
And plus, uh, to be fair, I just, I just enjoy looking at Winston Duke. I mean, you're not wrong. No. So, yeah, I think it would have all depended on, like, what kind of tone they want to set and obviously what kind of, like, physicality they want because, obviously, Winston Duke's built, like, a fucking brick shit house. Brick shit house. Man, but then like, huge. But then, like, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II is tall and muscular, but he's not... He's quite, he's he's quite um, slender. Yeah, he's a slender man. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of I options think out there. Ali is, though, as well. He's quite tall, but quite slender, yeah, isn't he? He's not... He's, he's quite quite thin. He's not a hulking man, is no, he? No, he's not like a... He's not he a, doesn't look like he could crush your head between his thighs. He's not a beefcake, no. I think he will get bigger, though. I think he'll get to I mean, I feel like with Blade, you don't really need to. No. Like, the first Blade movie, Wesley Snipes is not that big. I mean, I know he got bigger in the second and third yeah. movie. But the first movie, like, he's just well-built. Yeah. He's not huge. Um, and it doesn't take away from the character because he's intimidating enough. Um, this is a purely Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is very good at pulling off the, like... He may not be the biggest man in the room, but there's there's like an aura. He has to a him. fucking big presence. Yeah, the big presence. Yeah. And I feel like um, Mahershala Ali has very much the same presence of like he can command a room. He doesn't need to be the biggest man in the room. He mm-hmm. can just command it. I, think... and I feel like that's the big thing you need for like a character like Blade is you don't need to be the biggest man in the room. You don't need to be the loudest man in the room. You need to just control the room. I think if they wanted to go down the Wesley Snipes route, if they wanted to go for someone that could have matched. His height, his physicality, his martial arts skills, and his potential for quipping. They could have got Michael Jai White, who played Spawn, who's also in uh, The Dark Knight, because mm. he's a trained martial artist. He's about the same size as Wesley Snipes. Is he a little bit too old now, though? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It depends, depends on how, on how old, old yeah. you want him. Or if they, before he got claimed to do the new Spawn, and before he was already now in the MCU because of No Way Home, Jamie Foxx. Mm, Jamie Foxx would have made a a really good blade i think because jamie fox can be serious jamie fox can also be funny but he's also known in his films to be able to kick the shit out of people as well and then he went and made that fucking dog shit vampire movie with like fucking snoop and james franco's brother on fucking netflix oh yeah daybreakers no that's the, that's the zombie show day shift it? day shift um but anyway we should probably wrap this up now because we've been talking about the mcu for quite a long time we've been yeah. talking about blade for quite a lot i feel like the thing is though is that we always we always aimed with this podcast for this to be like basically the conversations we have when nobody's listening yeah which is basically <laughs> what happens is we go massively off the rails and end up talking quite regularly about the mcu actually weirdly enough um so what is your final word on this movie and what was your score um i really enjoy this film i think it's really fun um you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a four yes just because there's not enough back filling of like the story of the vampires for me and that it irritates me i like a backstory i like to mm. know the intricate in and outs of like societies um and they don't give me that so uh, for that reason that reason alone pretty much is getting a four okay what yeah you, baby i would agree i think this movie ushered in a brand new era of like comic book movies i think its cultural significance cannot be denied i think its impact on pop culture cannot be denied um, I think it's held up incredibly well. I think this is like one of Wesley Snipes' best movies, and I think it's one of the best comic book adaptations of the nineties. Um, only second to the one that we're going to talk about next week, um, which is my favourite movie of all time. Um, so yeah, I think again, I think I agree with you. I think it's a solid four. 
Um, there are obviously things that I didn't like about it, which which we have talked about, but I think the movie holds up incredibly well. And I'm very excited to see the future of the character in the MCU and a, a different take on the character. Um, so yeah, that's our thoughts on Blade. How do you guys feel about Blade? Thank you also for sticking around and waiting for this episode to drop. And thank you for all the support uh, that you continue to give us. If you guys want to follow us on social media, you know where to find us. It's S-I-M-A-H-F-Pod on Twitter. So I'm Aaron Horror Fan on Tumblr and Instagram. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts on Blade. We would love to hear your thoughts on everything else that we've had going on recently. And don't forget, we dropped our best of 2022 episode. We dropped an episode on season two of Chucky recently. Last week, we dropped an episode on From Hell. We've got an episode coming up tomorrow, uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday. Tomorrow we've got an episode, Friday the 16th of December, coming out on Ghost Watch for the 30th anniversary. And then we'll be back again on Monday with our third comic book horror movie of the month, where we will be looking at The Crow from 1994. And then we'll be rounding out the year on Boxing Day with a look at Hellboy. So lots of stuff that we've already done, lots of stuff coming up. Uh, thank you once again, as always. Uh, I've been Simon. I've been Lee. Stay spooky, stay safe. Also, just quickly before we do go, I wanted to, do, really do want to say a massive thank you to everyone who <sighs> wished me well when we put out the message to say I haven't very well this week. It was really nice of you all just to send a little message to say that you hope I'm okay. I'm better now, so nobody has panic. We're all fine. <laughs> but thank you ever so much. It was really nice of everybody. Cool. Thank you. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.